This is All About Home Construction, and here's your hosts, Terry Canelbeck and Randy Blake. That's right. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Terry. Happy Saturday, buddy. Happy Saturday. I can't hear you. I'm here. I'm here. That's it. Happy Saturday, though. Yep. It's a good Saturday. It's a little windy, a little chilly, 20 degrees, but... Well, you know, it, it's that time of year. It is. Well, it's it, it's like spring number one. Well, my, <laughs> I mean, it's been like 60 degrees this week. Well, you know, there is a phenomenon for that, and that's how Mother Nature saves the animals yeah. in the United States. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of places start snowing up north. Let's think about November. Yep. Yep. Uh it starts getting cold. They can't store up enough uh, food reserves to last all the way to spring. Right. So, so Groundhog Day, that's generally a warm-up period. February, you know, February well, is uh, also Groundhog's uh, breeding season. <laughs> I had a friend who uh, went off the mountain, and she came back with uh, some, uh, I'm drawing a blank. Easter lilies. Easter lilies, thank you. I was like, day lilies isn't the right word. Easter lilies. Yeah, there bl- uh, are some of them in bloom yeah. here. So it was uh, it was pretty cool. So, Well, you know, we've gone from El Nino to La Nino, and once it went to La Nino, we got to get in rain. Yep. And I hope it won't be like 17 and 18 where it rained continuously. We got all that rain. I know, I know. That was rough, and uh, especially for, for our farmers and stuff like that. It was, it was a rough hay years. But you know, California's finally getting filled up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Midwestern states and stuff. Well, under the lake, the, the you know, the, what did I, I heard something the other day. It was ta- they were talking about how the Western states are s- still in a lock of the uh, the water rights issues. They're talking, you know, they're all supposed to get together, and the deadlines like come and gone or something. Well, they got um, to you know, uh, Mexico's been cut off from the Colorado River up until you know. Right. Uh, five six years ago that they didn't get any water at all mm-hmm. now under the charter they're allowed to have to release so many millions of gallons to keep that river open now yeah that's the colorado river yeah well you know i, I heard a, uh, someone proposed the idea of building a uh, pipeline from the mississippi river over yes they did um seems to me it'd be cheaper to figure out a way to desalinate, desalinate the ocean faster or easier well have you watched the Mississippi River? I know it's dropped a lot too. It's it's. I don't know what it is now, but a couple of weeks yeah. ago it was thirty foot down. Yeah, barge traffic can only haul half the load. Yeah, and uh, so that has a lot to do with our infrastructure as barge traffic. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Completely uh, different part of the world and unrelated, but still just as cool. It made me think about it. Was the the uh, the Tigris River is is in the, you know, in the Middle East? Yeah, it's it's in a drought too and it's some of the lowest they've ever seen but they're finding all sorts of artifacts that was normally underwater and buried you know thousands of years old anyway i don't know why i thought about that you said dried up made me think about it well you know uh (laughs) well when we go to oklahoma city see the boys yep the arkansas river actually in arkansas has a world war ii military submarine right and i've always wanted to stop and see it Mm -hmm. and uh Adam said, "Well, don't worry about it, Dad, because you can't get to it because it's sitting on the on the on the river floor." Interesting. Because uh, the water's so low. And 
Most, now, pe- most people don't realize this. At one time, the only way you could become a state in the United States was you have to have a navigable river in your state. Right. Yeah. North Carolina does have one, but it, I don't know how far it goes up. So Oklahoma City actually has a navigable river that comes off the Arkansas so they can run bridges out of Oklahoma, or barges out of Oklahoma City. I didn't know that. And Adam told me about that, and he said, Dad, they got barges sitting on the bottom of the, that's crazy. the river out there. So I wonder if that submarine, you know, at one point, and I'm not up on military history enough for for this part, but I know at one point it was part of the ghost fleet, you know, like like the North Carolina, the, the, the um, over in Wilmington, the... The battleship like has yep. to be able to operate within so many hours or ninety space. days. Yeah, um, so I wonder if that fall. I wonder if that one's part of that. It, yep. If it's if it's in a museum, it's considered mothballs, yeah. and it has to be ready operational ninety days. Matter of fact, that ninety kind, days plus water. <laughs> well, you got to have water first. Uh, you know, uh, President Obama did uh, call, come in and call North Carolina down. Because the USS North Carolina could not sail because the bottom of it was rusted out. Remember that, yeah. And they did some repair work too. They spent thirteen million dollars in dry dock last year, and she's floating. She was floating, I think, last August. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I don't know. I think all that stuff's neat. I mean, I've been down to Charleston, saw those ships down there, Patriots Point. That's pretty cool place. I would always want to go. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then uh, where else did I see? I'm trying to remember now. I can't remember the name of it, but there's one in uh, Mobile. I'm drawing a blank on the name of that ship. That was pretty cool. Never and, been down that and, far. Uh, then the the coolest out when I I had a friend who this was 20 years ago almost who uh, got married up in Boston. A, call, a high school friend. And I went up to his wedding, and we stopped in Connecticut and saw the USS Nautilus submarine. Oh wow! And that was cool. That's a pretty. If you're ever up in uh, uh, up in that area, whatever I can't remember the name of that base now. I'm, I'm uh, drawing too many. See, I've never today. been up in that part. It, Connecticut, there, there's a base up there with the Nautilus, and it's you know it's a museum you can go see, and that that was cool. That, that nuclear sub. Well, see, I've always been to Air Force museums. I guess well, I, it's been a long time, but I'd love to go back to Dayton and see that Air Force Museum in Ohio. Well, I'd uh, I'd recommend everybody go see that. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, I seen it in uh, I guess around '66, '67. Yeah. 67. yeah. When you can actually walk out and touch every airplane. I want to say that's the place that has, is that the place that has the Enola Gay? No, actually, uh, the Enola Gay is in uh, Manassas, Virginia. Manassas, and I, and I yeah. got to see that I a few years ago. I remember seeing it, but I couldn't remember where that was. Um, and uh, But that, that's that's cool. And then I saw the Memphis Bell before. I've not seen it. Um, and then I tell you what else is cool is is a dozen or so years ago we went down to Pensacola to the uh where the um the blue angels do yep. their training i know you said it air force but this is still plain so it's cool uh, but that's a really cool museum down there well we have a a gentleman that lives in this county this uh retired air force yeah and uh i laugh about it because you remember the salt treaty you might not remember ronald reagan he, yeah. he said he would destroy all the nuclear b-52 bombers right well uh, Ishmi, Michigan was the last sack base to close, and that's where my brother was stationed. Okay. And they had a B-52 sitting there, and I'm going, darn. I just wanted to climb up on the just wheel because yeah. you could get inside the plane, yeah. and I was afraid to. And uh, I said, what would they do with that plane? 
He said they brought a flight crew in, a fuel tank, fuel truck, fired her up, and flew her out. So getting back to the retired Air Force guy, uh, his bomber that he flew three tours in Vietnam is on display down there. That's really cool. So those planes can fly. I believe it. I mean, you know, it's, again, it's that's pretty cool. That's cool. I know that doesn't have anything to do with construction. It does but, not, uh, but it's still cool stuff. It's okay. <laughs> I, don't, I love how we get... How do we get from rivers to air force? I don't know. But well, it happened, cool. to be, happened, to, happened, to, happened to be that uh, uh, submarine that anyway. I want to go see. <laughs> all about home construction here on WATA. Again, thanks to all of our listeners out there. Give us a call, 828-262-1567. Uh, steak dinner night, finally. It is. You know, I about filled up, believe it or not. Nice. A couple tickets left then? Yeah, I had people calling all the way into nice. 8 o'clock last night. Sweet. Thanks, Sweet. thanks everybody. That's really awesome. So, yeah, come out and uh, get the steak dinner at the VFW tonight. Breakfast went well last time. Yes, and, it did. Uh, Every first Saturday we'll be having breakfast. So. Nice, nice. And it's $12 all you can eat. Now, you know, I, my little sausage and gravy dip from the local place down here, you know, well, I spent $7 on it. So There you go. There you go. It's good stuff. All you can eat. Yep. Tell you what, let's take a break. Because when we come back, we actually got home construction stuff to talk about. Yes, it's been a while. Sorry. We got you. Thanks for listening. That's right. All about home construction here on WATA. Thanks for listening to us. Happy Saturday. Yes, it is. Ooh, little all about home construction for you. So uh, let's let's just jump right on into it. And uh, you, you know, here's what the thing is, Randy. I think you need a good shave. And and instead of shaving, I think you should. <laughs> no, it ain't gonna happen. Oh, hold on, hold on. What are we talking about today? Well, you ever heard of the Minnesota Mining Company? No, nope. Ma- Mining and Manufacturing Company. Sorry about that. Uh, Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company. All three of those words started with a what? M. And there's three of those? Yeah. So how about 3M? You ever heard of 3M? Yeah. There we go. So, uh, yeah, talking a little bit about, well, what are they known for? 3M now's uh, for tape. Okay, they're a little bit of everything. That's yeah. fair. But, but, but all of us on the construction side know them for sandpaper. And uh, that's what... We're talking about today so i want to go back a little bit in the in the late 1800s francis oakey who invented sandpaper to re- replace the razor isn't that something well you know probably a lot of people had a hard time with a straight razor well he was uh he worked for the minnesota mining and manufacturing company 3m later on and he decided his to make this thing sandpaper basically that uh for the face didn't work out because people just kind of didn't stop when they, you know, got the whiskers off and they kept going and the skin came off too. Yep. But that's when uh, 3M was able to make this sandpaper. You guess and, that's where an emery uh, board come from? There you go. I guess so. So uh, a little bit about the history of sandpaper today. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've done the history on a lot of stuff, and I just thought, let's do sandpaper. because Well, we all use I mean, we use it in every... Just about every construction trade, probably at some point, it's picked up a piece of sandpaper. 
Yeah. On the job. Yep. Well, all but you know, like rough framing and stuff like that. But you know, everything in finish work. Yeah. You know what? Uh, that's all they had. Think. Uh, well, you had rasp. Okay. For let's think about furniture making. All the way back, uh, four or five hundred years ago. Right. You know when they, there was no machinery, everything that had to be done was uh, bow saws. Mm-hmm. But sandpaper was an important part of doing it, right? To well, smooth the marks up. I mean, that's it. You know, you, you you any kind of scraping, and I'm throwing all the knives and, and uh, shaves, shaves and, and and planers. You know, I'm throwing all those in this into this category of shape you know, of scraping. Um, you know, they leave marks, and, and you see that if you ever look at old furniture, like you said, or, or any kind of old old floors. Like you go to go to um, you know any historical building that's got two year hundred year old floors, and you can see those scrape marks uh, yeah. where, where they run those big big uh, planes. And it, even the best of them is going to leave some marks. You know, even even the best of the trade. Oh yeah, I can see it in my uh, uncle's house mm-hmm. where the the poplar boards were. Uh, done with a uh, a shave and a molding cutter hand molding cutter the yep. tongue and groove but you can see when the when the sun comes across it because it's done in enamel paint yeah you know that's probably done a, a hundred years ago right you can see the marks of the of the shave yeah yeah i, I, w- I want to keep referencing spoke shave but a spoke shave is too small too small but so it'd be a big it'd actually be a, be a draw knife a draw knife yep yeah exactly uh, but I mean that's the thing, and, and so then it became like this. Okay, how how do we how do we get rid of those marks? Well, you know, lots of things can be used. Uh, burnishing by rubbing, you know, another piece of wood or metal or something like you know leather even uh, um, over it. But the, you know, and, and there were there were some primitive tools, and and that's what I think is so cool when you go back to the history of it. You know, people's been trying to figure out how to sand things down so to speak uh for 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 centuries you know 13th century in china they used crushed shells seeds and sand and they were bonded through some kind of parchment using a, a natural gum yes and uh, you know make essentially in china they were making sandpaper or what we call sandpaper um shark skin that was a cool one huh yeah yeah believe it or not uh and i, I was trying to find the history of it and uh but it's been around a long time and uh but actually they're saying the shark skin is actually miniature teeth on the side of the body yeah isn't that cool it's uh, that allows the shark to spin it's yeah but they they used it back in our times and uh revolutionary war times yeah for sanding and stuff um again with those rough scales of that uh it's it's a type of shark it's um uh I don't. I don't know if I can use every shark out there or not. I, it says the, the what? Uh, what is it? Cole Kenneth is a uh, hold on. Shark is a fish belonging to the order of. And I'm. I am not one of these Latin guys. So anyway. Well, you're a school teacher. I am a school teacher, but it's it's primarily found in the Indian Ocean. How's that? Is the best they were using. Hmm. Uh, spiny dogfish was the one that was used, yeah. and that actually lives off the coast of North Carolina. I don't know about the cat shark uh, using it. Uh, the Greenland shark, mm-hmm. 
was a uh, uh, used for sandpaper. You know, around uh, right. They caught the oldest one, nineteen eighty four. Is what they're saying. That's cool. Well, and then in uh, in in Japan, they started finding this this horsetail plant. They boiled it up, they dried it out, and it was a polishing material. It's it sort of like a super fine sandpaper. Uh, they were using it to to polish. So, lots of of people using lots of different things throughout the uh, you know the history. Um, again, the burnishing I think was a uh, pretty pretty self explanatory. You know, with with just rubbing another piece of wood or metal or leather is something on onto the wood that you're trying to finish um but there's all sorts of wood files and shavings like we said rotten stone are you familiar with that one never heard of it so rotten stone is very similar to pumice and, and pumice was used too we'll get to that one next but rotten stone is is, is just a, a finer grind uh, grid uh, grind grit rather um than pumice and you can kind of find those in different places, and it's it, it just just think of it uh, almost as like a. Today it looks similar to the manufactured stuff. Looks very similar to like a whetstone, you know, yeah. like you'd buy those manufactured whetstones. Uh, I'm not talking about the actual stone from Arkansas. I'm talking like the the ones you go to the dollar store and buy. Well, not really dollar store, but you know what I'm saying, box yeah. store. Um, pumice though, volcanic rock. Pumice is really cool. You know, you, you see pumice a lot. Even, you, know, you we were talking about shaving and kind of joking there, but you see pumice in the health in the um, not really healthcare, but the the product side, right? The the uh, of rubbing your feet kind of stuff. Um, but pumice is a very volcanic uh, from a volcano. It's, it's a porous, very lightweight. Oh yes, uh, stuff. And actually, it's pretty cool. It's sitting in my office at, at my my classroom. I have a piece of pumice from Mount St. Helens. It's pretty cool. Well, you know, another thing that pumice is used for is clean the grill. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, in the restaurant business, we used to use it to clean the grill, the big grills, electric grills. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so pumice uh, was used a lot. Corn cubs. So you use a corn cob to uh, to smooth out the wood, sort of like using sandpaper. Um, wow. You use walnut shells. Ground up walnut shells, smooth the wood to a surface, just like you would with sand, and, and basically you just put it down and rub it in, basically. Um, and then sanding sand itself, right? Sprinkling sand on wood, and then using another piece of wood or cloth or something to to, to rub it back and forth. Or some of the ways that kind of led up to, hey, we need this cool product, and you know, and and that's that's kind of where we're at with the history of it. Well, let me tell you about the ocean sand. We all know the ocean has a lot of sand. Right. Well, regardless of the salt, you can't use ocean sand in concrete or in sandpaper mm. because it's round. It's not. It yes. doesn't have any rough edges like the sand that. that they dredge out of the river and stuff. Yeah. Ain't that wild? That's, it makes sense, though. Um, you know, if you ever see a rock from the ocean uh, you know, that's been washed up or something, now that, may, that makes total sense. And... Um, so, but again, you know, it, it, through the history of time, people used what they needed, what they could. But with the Industrial Revolution came this new product, right? Like, like they're finally able to start ma- manufacturing stuff. And in night, or excuse me, eighteen thirty-three, John Oakley uh, was manufacturing some stuff in, in in London. 
he developed his company developed a new adhesive techno uh, technologies and techniques and they were using glass paper yep and so glass uh paper has you know glass as we all know if we if we look at a glass under a microscope now i know you you fill glass and you know it's smooth but if you look at it under a microscope it's uh it's it's got some really sharp crazy looking edges uh, uh, microscopic. It's all facets. Yeah. Every bit. It's, yeah. it's uh, unlike a diamond that is a facet that's polished. Right. It's a rough facet. Yeah. Um, and so you know they were able to use this, and uh, so for this glass manufacturing, right? And and if 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 you look at the history of glass, not to go too far off this topic here, but but glass was made of silica, made of sand, right? Yep. And and so it kind of makes sense. Well. Then they realized that, uh, you know, these uh, the, kind of as as the gra glass paper was, was used, smoothed and worked down, you know, it didn't work as well, obviously. J just like sandpaper, when it when it stops, you know, you, when yeah. you get it clogged up, right? That's basically um, what happens. It, yeah. it, the wood fibers clog it up. Um, so they started making this cheaper sandpaper that was originally passed off as glass paper. Um and then, uh, but it, again, it was in, in 1921 when 3M uh, developed the actual what we would call sandpaper, with the uh, silicone grit, uh, carbide grit, sort of that waterproofing adhesive and backing, and they called it the wet dry. Yep. Because you, because that was it. You could use it with water. You could use it on wet stuff and dry stuff. Um, but using it with water allowed those particles to not clog up the grit. Um, and, the, and so that was first used in, in industry-wise. It was first used in the automotive paint refinishing. Yeah, everybody whip polishes. Yeah, their cars. So uh, it, it, you know, uh, it was, it's just really cool. Uh, sandpaper, you know, like I said, we use it so many different areas of of, of construction and and and, it, and it, again manufacturing, right? We we use sandpaper in cars. We use sandpaper or, or something you know some kind of alternative to, to uh, in machinery. Just like this piece of plywood yeah. in front of you, that sheet right there. Yeah, had to be sanded to get that smooth. That's a you know most people don't know what the number or the letters mean on plywood. Right. Like A C, that is A is a sanded side. B C is a little. That's a sanded side. Right. But it's not a finish. It can have boats in it. BC, what I mean by boats is they can have blemishes. Yeah. All right. CDX is not, not sanded on either side. So you can have knot holes in it and stuff like that. Sure. Sure. Pretty cool. We'll take a quick break. We'll come right back to uh, All About Home Construction, talking about sandpaper. That's right, all about home construction here on WATA. Thanks for listening to us. Give us a call, 828-262-1567. Talking about sandpaper today. Is it fair to call it paper? Actually, no, but at one time, parchment, you know, parchment is not considered a paper either. Right. Because parchment is an animal skin that is scraped so thin that you can see through it. Yeah. And, you know, that's what the Declaration of Independence Declaration's written on, yeah. And, uh. And the Constitution. Yep. And, uh, but they called it paper because somebody probably started with paper. Yeah, that's fair. That's and fair. Uh, probably, well, a, you know, probably a thicker paper. You know, they use animal glues, 
you know, probably made from cattle. Right. And uh, I don't know if most people know how glue is made, but it's made out of bones. Right. And it's put in a pressure cooker, and it's cooked down to it melts into a paste. So just think of all the tubes of glue you used as a kid. Hashtag. That had Elmer's on it. That you ate when you were eating hooves <laughs> from horses. Well, that that is, uh, they did no longer make gelatin <laughs> out of horse hooves, but that's what it was made out yeah. of. Now it's made out of uh, cow bones. Okay. And... Uh, so when I go to your steak dinner tonight... There won't be it, no gelatin there. But there's a chance that that same cow's bones... Made, made makes, glue. Make, ...makes glue that I can... So I can also, for dessert, go home and eat glue. Don't eat glue, guys. No, don't eat glue. I'm a teacher. It's I can a, it's, tell you, it's, don't it's, eat glue. It's different. You know, glue is than gelatin. <laughs> I can tell you how that's made, but people probably wouldn't ever eat gelatin again. And you eat jello all the time? And you eat... I like uh, jello. And, and isn't pectin made out of gelatin? So yep. when you eat jelly... Yep, it's part of it. Uh, anyway, back on to uh, abrasives. Yes. There we go. How'd I, you get me off on that I, damn subject? We get sidetracked <laughs> all the time. You know that. I can. It, it's nothing like... Uh, that, that's actually like what I like to do is, is see how many rabbit holes we can go down. You know, uh, but getting back to the fabric, it is made out of cotton, mm-hmm. rayon... Yep. And, uh, uh, golly, I missed that other one. I had it on the tip of my tongue there. Well, it, polyester. Polyester. That's it. Yeah. And uh, it takes those three products to hold together to work a belt. On well, a... so the, the key is, especially when we talk about modern tools, sanding tools, um, the, the trick is to keep that flexible. Correct. You know, and, and we've all gotten cheap paper. Uh, I mean, I've gotten cheap sandpaper before, especially the little sheets, you know, that you hand sandpaper with. And you, you start to, to use it. And if you ever bend it, it just breaks and brittle and breaks off. And Especially the heavier grits. The heavier grits, yeah. So the key, you know, the, the key is to get that, that backing that's going to be flexible and allow it to move. Because, yes, you're sanding on flat pieces of wood, but you, you've got to got a piece of equipment or your hand that's got to hold on to it um and then you know then belts you know there's sanding belts that that run around the the head Mm -hmm. uh, such as the floor sanders but then you also have table set top sanders you know that runs on belts so they've got to be flexible to go around in circles yep um and and so that's sort of the key and and is getting that flexibility but uh you know it's just like any industry They've, uh, you know, it, it, it's changed through the years. When we buy what we call sandpaper today, you're you're usually not buying like sand anymore. No. Um, there, there's so many different things, and you know, through through the history of the manufacturing side of abrasives, uh, you, you know, glass, like we said, was used originally. Uh, that was one of the first manufactured uh, sandpaper. I'd say glass, so. Uh, the reason they got away from that was the inconsistency. Inconsistency and and, and probably the cost, yeah. uh, you know. And uh, it, it uh, and now some of these I'm not saying you can't find. There's just not commonly found. Uh, but another one they tried for a while that worked was flint. Yeah. And and flint, you know, uh, we we think of it in the in the um, you know sort of the 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 olden times, if you will, of, of sharpening stones and things like that. Um, so it kind of makes sense, but flint again, not uh, just uh, there again. I would think it would be the inconsistency, right? 
because even with even if you created a flint blade, it'd be extremely sharp and yep. do what you wanted to, but it'd be inconsistent of the cut. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they use some garnets. Well, you know, still used today, garnets is especially in the woodworking, the the finer yeah. woodworking and, side. Uh, did you know that garnet is in every creek here? Yeah. And garnet, you can actually pick up with a magnet. Okay. I didn't know. I mean, I, it makes sense, but I didn't. And that's part, I garnet's know. part of the black sand. They talk about where you find gold. Yep. But we got a lot of black sand, but I ain't found no gold. <laughs> so then if you had your garnet, see, all you'd have to do is have the equipment to uh, the sieves, see, to strain it with. Right. And uh, then that way you would have a consistency in your sandpaper. Yeah, makes makes sense. Um, another common uh, that, that's that's commonly used, especially for metals, is emery. Yep, emery. And so emery is an interesting one because, uh, you know, historically, like emery actually dates back, but biblical times. You know, the the Bible mentions the stone called uh, shamir, which was probably a, a, an emery stone. Uh, emery is is that it's it's a it's a natural stone. Um, I mean, it's it's a granular rock has aluminum oxide and iron oxides and and all sorts of other pieces. If you if you're a geologist, um, but basically it's it, it, it's a rock. Uh, well, you know, I'm reading here too about emery, and they call it the black sand. Yeah. So I wonder if that's what the black sand we're getting. It could be. It could be. I mean, because it, it was definitely found in the in the Middle East. Uh, that that area, like I said, they, they, it was it it has history going back to the to biblical times, um, and, and so emery uh, w- was used quite often. It still is used today. Um, I sort of mentioned aluminum oxide is in emery, so aluminum oxide is probably the most common thing we use today, um, especially uh, in in when you start talking about all the different grits, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about the grits here before it shows over. Uh, the differences but um it, it it's a lower cost metal um in, in aluminum oxide but so you can use it on you know wood it's a man-made material. it's a man-made material yeah you can use it in uh you know wood you can use it for body shop work you know that kind of thing um again silicone carbide is available in uh, coarse grits all the way through micro grits usually we see that with more wet applications um, because it doesn't clog up as much. Um, this was this was one for me that I, I didn't know, uh, and, and this was used for super fine stuff, is coronium oxide. We had to look that one up. Yeah, also used in paints. Yeah, so it's it's a, a, a rock itself, and it's a green rock, which is why it's used in paint. Yep, and you can grind it up and make it fine. Yep. And... Uh... Um, we see some ceramic oxide or ceramic aluminum oxide being used. Again, another man-made product. Uh, that's usually sort of like a specialty, like manufacturing type uh, use. Um, but another one, surprise, surprise, used for finishing like metals, ceramics, glasses, and even rock, uh, diamonds. Yep, diamonds. So, that's probably now. That's probably a man-made diamond. I would imagine, you know, cost stuff. As you know, a lot of our uh, saw blades, you know, uh, for cutting tile and stuff, are diamond impregnated blades. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um. I, but sandpaper is just so cool. It's uh, you know, it's 
it, it's made again today. Uh, the process um, you take something like that silicone uh, silicone carbide, they bake it down under pressure, and after they bake it, then they coat the abrasives to that paper, like you had mentioned. And that, and I say it's not really paper; it is like you said, it's cotton, it's synth- other synthetics. Yep. Um, and you know, then that backing, they they, they manufacture this in huge rolls you know these large uncut rolls and it's just this endless roll of paper almost um you know earlier you were talking about uh that uh paper company down hickory yeah so Uh, there is uh, i i now i don't know if they still manufacture in north carolina uh but cling spore was down in hickory and i know it was manufactured i don't know if they still do well you know they would always tell you give us the dimensions the width the length, and we'll make that belt yeah. for you. That specialty belt on anything you want to do. Yep. Um, Extremely good sanding paper, sandpaper. I company. like their stuff. Um, yeah, and, and I've actually used it. I've used, you know, in the hardwood floor industry, 3M was probably the one that I used the most. Um, I used 3M. Norton is a brand that you see out there a lot. Uh, Norton had good papers, but I had Klingsport too. Now, Klingsport, just like any company, uh, manufacturing company, you know, they got different different grades uh, of their product. Yep. And, and what I liked about Klingspore is their cheaper product, their their budget product. They got a better name than that. And I apologize to if if you know anyone out there that that knows the name. But they're they're more budget line uh, sandpaper. What I liked about it was if I had a small wood floor job to do, you know, say a, a small just a one bedroom deal. Um, I could use that, and it would it would it would save me money on the on my side of you know, uh, and still give me a good product because when the job was done, you know, more times than not, I you can I mean, uh, sandpaper in general. This doesn't matter what you're sanding, right? It's got a life, uh, uh, and and the life of that sandpaper is until it gets clogged up. Yep, and gets and and, and it almost looks like a burned in. I mean, wood dust basically right yeah uh, but it clogs it up well it's actually the the resins out of the wood itself exactly that does it. or in your case it would be some, some of the urethane polyurethane yes um but and you can see that and if, and if you've ever sanded anything you know grab a piece of sandpaper sand an oak and then use you know count the strokes and then go over and sand a, a pine and you can see the difference right off the bat yeah the pine is, uh, pine, pine will fill it up exactly um so but i say that so Sandpaper it has a life. It depends, and and that depends on what you're sanding and how much you're sanding, right? Um, what I've found though in in wood floor applications, especially, is uh, I just always like to start with a new one. Doesn't matter what job was, right? It just yeah. makes the job easier. Um, well, your your cutting is consistent. Yeah, and and I end up, you know, when I when I left it on the machine, you you moving the machine around, you end up breaking off chunks, and that's that, that's a whole other thing. So I say all that. I loved their uh, their budget stuff. Now their high end stuff was really good too. Um, but anyway, I'm going down another rabbit hole for you. Well, that's all right. Um, it, you know, uh, North Carolina company. Well, and, and they make, the, you know, okay. So sandpaper typically, like you said, there, there's always exceptions to this. Uh, but generally speaking, when you go to the box store and you buy sandpaper, sandpaper comes in sheets. That's typically nine by eleven inches. Um, there's other sizes, but generally speaking, right, uh, nine by 11, there's belts. Usually those are more cloth backed. They come in different sizes to fit those belt sanders. You have discs, 
which are made to fit this, you know, the, these random orbital, orbital sanders and things like that. Um, you know, and, and there's different sizes on that, um, six inches to four inches and so on. Um, but most of those discs, and I'm going to say all, but most, because there's, there's some still that use the, the sticky uh, adhesive on the back. Um, but most of those are, are switching over to the Velcro type hook and loop. Um, where, you know, where, where the, the sander yep. itself has the hook and loop and then you stick the, the pad onto it. Um, there's also uh, a lot of contractors will use rolls and, and these, you know, these shag rolls they're called, which is just sh rolls of sandpaper. And you tear off what you need. Um, and then there's sponges also. Um, yep. and, and we see those sponges in, uh, especially like drywall, you know, things like that. Well, you know, they actually, those sponges actually work good in, uh, dressing up crown molding in places like that well, with odd, odd they're, textures they're or not textures, but odd. Shapes, shapes, because yeah. uh, they're flexible. So. Tell you what, we'll take a break. We'll come right back. Get into the grits in just a moment. Thanks for listening to us. That's right. All about home construction here on WATA. Thanks for listening to us. Going down lots of rabbit holes today, but talking mostly about abrasives and sandpaper. That's what we do best rabbit holes well we have a good time at it, i home. enjoy it and i know all of our listeners do and all of the people who listen on the podcast too and so when you want to go back and listen to this again because we just like to you know ramble and go down rabbit holes then you can go back and listen to your podcast well i discovered that a lot of the glues used in sandpaper is called hide glue hide glue yep all right and uh it's made from animal hide and it's real strong Imagine that. Hide glue is made from animal hide. Yep. As opposed to bone glue, which is made from animal bone. That's right. <laughs> I guess. That's I guess. Really, I mean, I'm sure. I, I think it's cool, though. Well, I guess uh, uh, each glue has a different aspect for use. Mm hmm. You know, and maybe it's uh, what can be spread thinner. Exactly. And have the most, because yeah. you can't cover your aggregates with your glue. Right. Well, and that's the key, catch, and then you know, is, is once you put that glue down, you're, whatever the aggregates are, you're putting those on top, and and you can see that, and so I want, that that leads us right into the grits, right? Generally speaking, in when 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 we're buying paper, right, sandpaper, uh, they they come in grits, even numbers, typically tens, you know, and, and they start at sixty grit. Originally, now I, I don't know that this is always the case, but I do know that, that like uh, originally the, the grit number refers to the number of grit particles per square inch. Yeah. Now there may be some exceptions to that, especially in modern stuff. But ideally, uh, sixty grit, for instance, when you look at it, there's sixty of those um, pieces, if you will, whatever it is, in a square inch. Um, same thing with you know. It, not to get too far off topic, but we have sanding screens today, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and it, it, they follow that same rule with the grit. Um, Let me throw another one on you here. All right, rabbit skin glue. <laughs> it has nothing to do with sanding belts, but it used for painting canvas. Ain't that there wild? Go, there you go. Huh. And then you go all the way back to Egyptian times, and they used a fish glue. Fish glue. Yeah. That's cool. All right. So glue's made out of anything, isn't it? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, so 60, 80 grit, 
uh, you know, somewhere in there is going to be, and they even make a 40 grit. Um, but that's going to be your extremely coarse. That's, the, 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 the smaller the grit number, right? 40 grit, yeah. for instance, is going to be really, really rough. And when you when you and you can see those chunks uh, on it, it, it does. Cool. You know, but it's used probably in rough, like rough sawed material, right? And well, you know, you have to really watch when you're using heavy mm-hmm. like that because, you know, you will start sanding the length of the board. Yeah. But you know as good as I do that if you don't turn it and do the sideways of the board, that you're going to raise the grain later yeah. on yeah. when you put your finish on. Yep. Well, and, and that's the that's the catch. You know, typically uh, a forty grit is going to be like super aggressive, but even with with most finish work, sixty grit is going to be a, a pretty aggressive uh, coarse, um, you know, piece of piece of sandpaper. When you get into uh, eighty, sixty to eighty, eighty is sort of in that middle range to me. Uh, that medium grit, but that eighty to a hundred, and, and depends on what you're doing, right? Yeah, it depends um, on it. Depends also on the sander, because you know when the advent of the uh, DC sander, yeah, oscillating sander, gritty eighty grit will sand as smooth as one twenty exactly. with yeah. a little uh, palm sander. Yeah. So so again, uh, the, yeah, definitely, it kind of makes a difference. But you know, you get that eighty, even up to one hundred fifty, is sort of that general purpose sanding, if you will. When you're looking at super fine stuff, that's when you get to the 180 to the 220 range. Um, you see that a lot on uh, like painted surfaces. That's what you use somewhere in that range. Like if you if you go back over, like say you put a polyurethane uh, down on a piece of wood, you you go back over that because you want to get that mechanical bond, right? Yeah. Uh, so microscopically, you got just think of like a Velcro, right? How that looks. Uh, microscopically it looks the same and and so that you would use a 180 to a 220 grit uh, you know that's a super fine but then there's ultra fine textures up you know in the 300s and 400s um and and again the the more the grit the smoother that it's going to sand um but it's also clogs up right which is why we use a 40 and 60 grit on rough stuff um well, you couldn't, yeah, you take your, you know, 120, and it'd clog up so fast. Yeah. So, typically speaking, what you're going to do is, is you, you start with, you know, with a rough piece of wood, you're going to start with a rougher grit, and you're going to work your way up, right? You work your way 40, 60, 80, 100, or sometimes you can skip a little bit, you know, but like 40, 40 80, 100, 120, um, and then, like I said, depends on what you want to do, right? You get up to mm-hmm. the 100, and... Um, uh, in 150, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, again, the trick is when you sand, follow that wood grain. And That's I know right. it sounds stupid, um, you know, especially towards the end of the of the finishing, right? Because the, the, each, each grit's getting out the grit before it. Um, you can cut across the grain, and I've done that before, especially if you're, if you're matching up many boards. You know, and yeah, but you're only there for a minute. Exactly. You're not long because exactly. then once you match them back up, then you turn them back around. Exactly. Yeah. So when you do that, you're just getting think of it, you're getting all the high spots off, so to speak, right? Yeah. Um, and then, but one, especially once you get to the final sandings, you go with the grain, and you know, and, and my rule of thumb for sanding, and it's take it or leave it. My rule of thumb is always do the best you can with that grit before you move on. In other words, if you leave a lot of scratches, if you leave a lot of divots and stuff like that, 
you, you wanted to get it as smooth as you can with the grit that you have on it and then jump to the next. Yeah. Because otherwise you'll spend forever trying to get those scratches out. Well, thing about it is, is you'll see them with the sun. Yes, yes. Um, you know, and, and uh, you, you ready for you ready for the trick of the day? Yep. All right. So when you get a fine sand, say I'm staining a piece of wood. Right. Um, we we've all seen it. First of all, if you you can have a smooth piece of wood. If you put a piece of sandpaper, say you, I, I'm, I'm thinking like you know you carry in a, a board. And you dropped it, right? You got a little bitty nick in it. Nothing major, just a little bitty nick. You take a piece of sandpaper and you sand that out, right? If you're not careful and you put stain over it, you can see where you just sanded it. Correct. You can see the white mark. And the difference, and that's what it's doing, is that sandpaper is closing up and crushing those grains of the wood. So if you sand it, you need to sand the entire board lightly, right? A trick around that is, what does water do when it hits wood? What does the wood do? It absorbs it. And it makes it expand, right? Yeah. It opens that grain back up. You can water what we call water pop wood. I, we, I teach a lot of guys that when they're yeah. doing trim. Yeah. And I'm going, you know, you can lightly dent it and dampen it. It, it will it come back out. It back out. Uh, you wouldn't believe it or not, but uh, turn your, your heat on and off. Mm-hmm. Or, and, you know, a lot of times the expansion contraction of the lumber yep. itself will push it out. Yep. But once it's crushed to the point... It can't return because it, the fibers are busted. They're busted, exactly, exactly. But you can, and, and I've done that, especially with uh, darker wood. If you have a soft wood, like a pine or a poplar, and you know you want to stain it, sometimes you, you get those little, the, those sanding marks that you just can't quite get out. And when mm-hmm. you put a dark stain on it, the darker the stain, the more it shows up. And uh, I've actually went back and water popped at the, an entire floor before. Wow. Sprayed it with water. Now lightly spray it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not yeah, wet. Yeah, the you're floor. not saturating it. Um, lightly spray it and then uh, let it dry. And it works great. Denatured alcohol. You can mix a water alcohol mix. I've never done that. And uh, it, well, the alcohol evaporates faster. Correct. Correct. And so you, you go in. You can water pop it and then you can stain it and sand it. Lightly sand the grains back down with the finish. It's a whole cool process. Well, you know what? This that was a pretty good idea going for sandpaper, wasn't it? I love it. I and love you would it. and you wouldn't believe how far it advances past what we No, exactly. We could probably spend another hour talking about it. So. Probably about another two That's hours cool on it. Stuff, cool stuff. All about home construction, another show in the books. Don't forget we have W dinner tonight. Steak yep. dinner. Still don't got forget, a couple don't tickets. forget our breakfast, first Saturday every month. There you go. There you go. Hope everyone had a great Valentine's Day week. Gosh, yeah. And uh, again, go out to the VFW, get your dinner, your date in tonight, and uh, and then we'll see you see you guys next time around. Thanks, Randy. It's been fun. Yep. Thanks, Terry. Bye. Thanks for listening to All About Home Construction. We air every week on Saturday mornings on WATA in Boone. Please like this podcast, comment share it. Hey, let everybody know where you found it. Thanks for listening.